Ebullient greetings. I'm your host, Jackie Bird of Jackie Bird Spiritual Wellness, your guide to stress and anxiety relief, mindfulness, awareness, self-care, self-love, and personal growth. Welcome and thank you for joining me as we roll with peace in mind. I am so very excited to shine the spotlight on an incredible photographer whose name I cannot pronounce. So he said I could call him Get. He hails from Amsterdam and resides in Sweden. It is an exceptionally extraordinary story. His work is superb. I urge you at the end of this episode to go to his website, to go to his YouTube so that you can see video and the incredible relationship that he has with the animals that he works with. It's like symbiosis at its best. It is incredibly meditative to watch him work. I ask you to bear with me with the sound quality and just listen to the message and enjoy and enjoy and enjoy. I was saying to you in the email that I was very drawn to the video that came down my newsfeed of you photographing squirrels. So I want to ask you, why squirrels? What is it about them that you spend so much time with them? I, I built my house. There's an old small house I bought 14 years ago. And uh, so I built completely uh, around my house uh, a new house. So I have an old house and a uh, new house. And with that built, the balcony is still uh, open and connected with the forest. When I was finished at, uh, building my, my house, uh, I opened the, the door and suddenly there was a fox standing there. Wow. And that fox went inside, I thought I bring some meat or something. And I came back and was still standing there. That fox came in two weeks every day. Wow. So, and with that fox, I started to photograph. And with that fox, I started to use seeds. So I even got the fox in a box and in a, on my balcony. So I, I could do some things with the fox. And it was nice. The fox disappeared. After two weeks, and so, um, in the same time, a bird from Russia came and started to eat from my hand directly. I continued what I did with the fox, doing this with the bird, and the bird was following me every day, almost in my garden, and wherever I came. So I <laughs> put out a mirror, I put out mushrooms, and I photographed that bird for almost two weeks. Wow. And, uh, so my studio started, my balcony studio started. That is amazing. And I did not uh, have uh, squirrels yet at uh, that time. Uh -huh. and, uh, that bird disappeared also after so some weeks. All animals, I got prices from the photos. Mm. And so it becomes, became suddenly some serious kind of things. Uh, the, the possibilities were there because Almost yeah. nobody did what I was doing. Mm -hmm. so, and not not long after that, I, I think 2013, it was squirrels started to come. Wow. And I remember that I first found the dead squirrel uh, somewhere, mm. and I made a, a lamp of, of that squirrel, I remember. And after that, uh, I, I red squirrels alive came, and they stayed. Every day they came. 
for six wow. years. You know, as I said to you earlier, I went on a feeling when I saw your video and I got very excited at the stillness. And, you know, I think most of us know that as a nature photographer, you have to be still and you wait lots of hours to get the shot. But there was something to me that was very special about watching that squirrel going all over the place and crawling on you and you didn't move and it was as if you were, to me, a part of everything in that shot, part of the room, a part of the window, part of the squirrel. And that, to me, is magic. So, because I want to go back to a lot of what I read about your travel, which just blew me away. When that fox appeared to you, had you been a photographer at that point of nature? Yes, I have been. When I was very young, I had a dark room. I, uh, I photographed black and white for, uh, for a magazine. I was 16 or 17 years old. So it was not nature-based. Uh, but I, the magazine closed and I stopped the photograph. I picked up the, digital, uh, the camera when the digital age started. So the di digital camera allowed me to throw away a lot of invest so much money I don't know what you have taken it. Right. Ideal for me. I got a price to go to Iceland. So I bought a camera again and I started to do landscape. It was there I think I started to do more uh, serious uh, work with nature. So now I'm going to refer to your travels. This was prior to you leaving Amsterdam? Uh, it was after Amsterdam. So what struck me there were many things in your story that blew me away. I, and I'm quoting, many thought I was crazy to leave everything behind me, but I trusted my heart. Can you just talk a little bit about what you were feeling at the time? Because you had a company, yes? Yes. What type of uh, business were you in? In the healing, shamanism, workshops, magnetism, what it was involved, spirituality. So you were already open to hearing the feeling of discomfort and knowing that you needed to do something else. Yes. So you had a girlfriend, you had friends and a company. Outwardly, it seemed like a good life. It was, uh, it seems, sometimes things seem like perfect life. Yeah. And it is not. It's a kind of ivory uh, mm. because it's not a complete truth. Uh, the truth was I needed to have science to um, be alone and uh, I cried. I remember I was very, very afraid also because I, I know of what I have to do. Mm -hmm. I also know what I lose to do right. what, and, and there's a lot of losing and I, I can imagine that people don't do that because it's, it's painful. Yes. And the only thing you can, I could do was believing in spirits. What is, um always amazing to me because it's always so beautiful each time that I'm shown this unending lesson of trusting your gut. Uh, what's funny to me is, again, I see this, this amazing video, but I'm led to this incredible story of you leaving everything to follow your heart, follow your gut. And if that's not the centerpiece of what these episodes are, it is. It's so much someone who has to do what they feel is driving them without um, 
allowing the fears to stop them. Okay, here I have, I'm quoting again in Amsterdam, you worked on your art, shamanism and healing, and you had also been a sailing instructor. Yes, sailing, yes. Wow, do you still sail? I came with a sailing boat to Sweden from Holland. Wow. Uh, when I, uh, uh, I sold everything in Amsterdam, my company, uh, my friends, I said goodbye to everyone, so family, I said I will never see you again. And I bought a boat, a sailing boat. I lived suddenly in Amsterdam on the, on the canals in my sailing boat. Police said that I, suddenly I was illegal because I had no house. It was a new world of me because I, I did not understand that I, that I was suddenly illegal because I did not plan it in a, in a way that I uh, had security. I just quit. I just sold. I just, I will never see you again. Uh, it was winter, so I had a uh, half year I had uh, on the canals, uh, mm -hmm. my little boat. It was about uh, six meters, two meters wide or something. So there was uh, one sleeping place. Was no, you could, could not walk in, in a boat. It was very small. Wow. But I had six months to read of sailing because I, of course, I was a sailing instructor. But what I did not know anything about the, the, the sea. Mm. Oh wow. And uh, so I, I read maybe 50 stories, uh, books about sailing. And so in, in Mars, I thought I, I know I'm good enough now to sail away. So it was <laughs> a beautiful day. The wind was good. And I just sailed away. It was a strong wind. And the beautiful thing was, uh, it was, was carrying. But when I was on the island around Holland, Fish like dolphins were swimming around my boat. I, I don't know, it cannot be dolphins, but I looked. So all the signs were there. Did not know where to go, or to France, or to, to the south, or to the north. But I had some ideas. I thought even Canada could be, but the wind was going from the south. So I, I was blown away to directions Scandinavian. And I remember that first day that, that suddenly uh, I could still see the islands where I left from, but suddenly everything was fog. I could not see one one thing, and I was so scared because Holland has some uh, big ship lines mm -hmm. and almost say roads, and they will never ever uh, see my boat. There was the moment that I had: Do I need to turn back, or do I need to keep on? So there was almost that I when. I keep something like I had a house in Sri Lanka, but I still had my house in Amsterdam. So it's it's something I have two legs in, in a, a safety net. So uh, it's easy to go to the safety again. So if I would not have had a house in Amsterdam, Sri Lanka would have seen a completely different. I could go back. I needed to disconnect with everything. Mm. And not a single safety net. Otherwise I would have to turn back because the danger and the fog and everything, all the things that were there, it was, <laughs> was talking, go back. I didn't. Wow. A lot of us don't realize that the fears that we have, a lot of them are just us telling ourselves we're afraid. And to hear this incredible story of you just uprooting, selling everything and getting in a sailboat and sailing in the sea, with big, huge ships, 
I hope that the folks that are listening realize that you can face your fears and not only succeed, but thrive. Yeah. Yeah. I think fear can be a fertilizer. Mm. Like plants, you can uh, nourish them and fertilize them. Yes. And that's a little bit like fear, because if fear can be a friend and friendship, but it's for the most people, it's the biggest enemy they have. And uh, I grew up with fear. I, I, I remember my whole childhood was one big fear. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine that, that you see fear as a, that a fear you have to listen to and don't go through the fear that listen that it's, it's a warning. Yes, it kind of like tells us, I'm your friend, I know what's best. Exactly. But in fear, you grow the best. Mm. Yes, if you step through it, yeah. you grow the best. Yes. I had a dream uh, of uh, one day that I, a voice was saying, you have to go to the island Mutak. Mutak, you find what you're looking for. And I uh, looked it up. Uh, I was living in Amsterdam at the time. And uh, so I knew I had to go to Uzbekistan, to Mutak, because the dream was strong. One of the moments that I uh, also made a choice, or I died, mm-hmm. or I listened to, to this thing. Because wow. in that time there was the Afghan uh, war going on and uh, Uzbekistan was closed to tourists. Nobody was allowed to come in. So this journey uh, took um, two years, I was I had to wait before I could get in, uh, in, uh, in that country. And, and the Murtok, you have to go to the island Murtok, stayed with me that complete whole year. So when the country was open again, tourism, I went to Wutok, but I could not find it anymore. Find it on the internet. And the strange thing was, because I still remembered about where it was not exactly, but I met a, a close girlfriend of me. I told her about my dream, and I told about it, and I told everything where it, and she was shocked because she completely became red, and she said, but I have lived in Tashkent. Tashkent was near to the place where where, where I said was uh, Mutok. Can I go back? Can I go together with you? And I said, no, I, this is my journey. I, in the end, I, I went and I, it's, it's funny how many people I met and I said exactly this. I have dreams saying to me, you have to go to Mutok, the island. And I met a priest, maybe it was the first day. And I said to him what I, I said to you. And he did everything to context. And he said, there's no Mutok in Uzbekistan. There, there's not a village or whatever. I said, it's it's here. It's it's in Uzbekistan, I'm sure. I've seen it uh, on my uh, CD-ROM, on my apps. And he said, no, it's not here. So I met the military. I spoke exactly the same. I have a dream. Uh, they spoke to me. And, and it's, yeah. maybe seven days passed, or maybe six days. I don't know. And everybody I was convincing, Mutak is in Uzbekistan. And one dream continue. Every night I made a, a woman pregnant, a child became older. So every night I dreamt about And I think the seven days or something, the, the last dream I had was my child, uh, you will see because the child was born and you will see the child again when uh, she or he, I don't remember, is 20 years old. Ah, wow. And then I don't have children. I think the seventh day, maybe you don't remember, I met a uh, German guy. I think it was it was near to Tuscany. It was another town. I don't remember the name. Mm-hmm. But uh, he said, if somebody knows about Mutok, it will, it will. It is my professor. 
old man. So he took me to a kind of museum or university. I told that professor about my dream and Mutak. And that professor said, there has been a Mutak 300 years ago. <gasps> Oh! Now it's named uh, Palak Mazar. Uh, wow. So they renamed the whole village, and because everybody said that there are no islands in uh, Uzbekistan, my dream was you have to go to the island Murtag. He said Palak Mazar was the uh, kind of now a holy place, a holy town mm. where fish were swimming. This small, small uh, island between the river. And so it was not a really uh, island, but it was a small island completely in, in, in a mountain area. Oh, wow. And, but it was now named Balik Masar. So it had a complete other name. And um, the strange thing also that they, Professor was saying there would be in a film crew uh, from Uzbekistan would, would drive to Balik Masar to do a documentary about that, that place where <laughs> How, how the odds, the odds, the odds yes. never ever have a real documentary about Palagma and all in the, the timing. Timing was crazy. Yes, 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 yes. My question to you is do you feel that that dream was perhaps also tied into a past life? Yeah. Uh huh. Because I, I went, okay, I said I don't want to go with the, the film crew, I want to go alone. The problem was also because I had to go to a road to uh, arrive there to another country. So I had to go there illegal. So if I would have gone with the film crew, it was much easier. Right. So I, I found such taxi, some drove me illegal to Palak Masar. Mm -hmm. And when I arrived, I was crying. It felt like I, yeah. I was exactly in a, a kind of barrier what I felt when I left with my sandboat. It was like a fog. Wow. Like that in, in another other kind of dimension. Yes. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I was planning for, to stay in one month in Uzbekistan in the place and I had three weeks left. I, I thought I will not leave this place. I, mm. This is the place where I, it I took me two weeks, two years to, to come there and I found it. Yes. And I, maybe I was five, ten minutes. I did not even could, could connect completely with the place and the police came. Mm. Mm. So I was, uh, the police took me to, uh, to a complete big town because they were thought I was a criminal or bomb <gasps> explorer, or a terrorist or whatever. Oh. So I, I maybe was there five, ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> And I never have been back there again. What? Man, <laughs> you have up until this point had an extraordinary life. What I hope that listeners take away from this is that you have to live your life. You must be present, be a present participant, an active participant in your life because it will go from the mundane and boring to something that's beyond technicolor. This has been beyond what I could even envision when I saw your video, was hearing your incredible story. What made you respond to my message? I have to say I respond to all messages. Oh, that's beautiful, that's beautiful. 
I take everything serious. So even a comment uh, on my uh, so so it takes a lot of energy. Yes. To, uh, because I I truth or not, it's always truth. Yes. And uh, reflection, everything reflects. Yes. In in what I'm saying, what I'm doing, and yes, okay, I cannot expect the people uh, being like me. But I take people serious. Everything I take serious. I so appreciate that because to me that speaks to honoring not only the nature around you but the the human beings that occupy the planet with you. Yeah. And I think I am again very appreciative that you have that outlook and and view, and that has enabled me to connect with you. And to also have the audience hear that, because it is important to acknowledge the human being that share the air with you. And in doing that, you are more open to hearing the whisperings of your heart when you are open. So I thank you so very much, and I wish you continued success and extraordinary journeys. You too. Thank you. I get so geeked up when I hear an inspiring story. If you are one of the many, 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 many people out there who's working a job you hate or following a career that no longer burns for you, begin to see what it is that you actually want to do. Write it down wherever you want to write it down. Write it on paper, write it on your phone, your computer, your tablet. Whatever works, write it down. Begin to see yourself having it, achieving it, creating it. Willpower, trust, faith. Don't tell yourself you can't. Don't allow anyone else to tell you you can't. Thank you for listening. If you want to find out more information about my guest, just look at the show notes. All of the links are there. And remember to roll with peace in mind.